0: Welcome to the A to Z of David Bowie. I'm Mark Riley, and that colourful character is
1: Rob Hughes. As you'll be aware, the A to Z of David Bowie is free to download. (laughs) lunacy. But if you'd like to support us along the way and be a member of an exclusive Bowie club, you can. And here's how. There's an exclusive Bowie members club called Cheap Things, and for just $5 a month, wow, you can be part of it. Right, so now you're thinking, $5 isn't much, but what exactly will I get for my hard-earned cash? Well, in short, you'll get lots of great new exclusive material Delivered to your door Well, computer actually, Mark Via a system called Patreon That's right, Mark Patreon is a payment system That allows you to contribute your monthly subscription And offers you a portal to access the exclusive material Materials such as Interviews with Bowie's cohorts and friends There'll be regular filmed Bowie quizzes Bowie guitar tutorials Unreleased
0: archive written material Competitions And perhaps most impressively Short films featuring the Cheap Things team Ah, that'll be me, Mark, Howard Nock and Jason Reed. Visiting
1: various Bowie places of interest. And much more besides. All this for just $5 a month. So if you can't resist, simply go to patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash cheap things, or one word, and join up. There's also a website. Bowie at cheapthings.com. Book early.
0: Tea is for tonight. Tonight is a 16th studio album by English musician Davy Bowie released on the 29th of September 1984 by EMI America Records. It followed his most commercially successful album, Let's Dance. He described the album, released immediately after his previous album's tour wrapped up, as an effort to keep my hand in, so to speak, and to retain the new audience that he had recently acquired. So that's already, is pretty kind of uh, calculated.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, as we'll discover, he's sort of lost his way a bit here. Yeah. You know, he had his eye on the commercial prize, the artistic level of Bowie went, Anyway, we should find out, shouldn't we? Yeah. The album was a commercial success, got to number one in the UK in October 84 and received a platinum disc in America and a gold one in the UK. It's received mostly poor reviews from music critics and Bowie expressed dissatisfaction with it in later years. The album was remastered in 2018 and included in the Bowie box set, Loving the Alien. David Bowie worked on Tonight after completing his serious Moonlight tour in support of his previous album, Let's Dance. He didn't have much luck writing on tour, so describe the process of recording the album tonight this way. It was rushed, he said. The process wasn't rushed. We actually took our time recording the thing. Let's Dance was done in three weeks. Tonight took five weeks or something, which for me is a really long time. I like to work fast in the studio. There wasn't much of my writing on it because I can't write on tour and I hadn't assembled anything to put out, but I thought it a kind of violent effort as a kind of pin-ups. That's a strange way of approaching it, yeah. isn't it? Okay. Uh, Bowie purposely sought to keep the sound of the band that he'd used on the
0: previous album and tour. Well, he would do because he was just massive, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Uh, but uh, crucially, I mean, you'd need all the same component parts to turn around the same kind of product, don't you? Of course and you he do. didn't do that. So feeling that the new fans he'd accumulated would expect to hear the same thing on the new album that they'd heard before, hence the inclusion of the Borneo horned players on the album. So again, he's doing it for the wrong reasons, isn't he? He's, he's putting the cart before the horse, He's thinking, what do the
1: audience want? And Bowie had never done that to that point, as I, as I can uh, remember. No, he hadn't. He hadn't pandered to the sort of commercial zone. You have to remember, he was like a really sort of mi- well, not middle of the road, but he was right in the middle you know, a populist star for the first time in his career. I know he'd had big selling records, but Let's Dance just put him there. Yeah. And rather than kind of step into the side, which he did do of course, in later years, yeah. he thought, I'm going to stay here and just see what it's like. And then he started making bad decisions.
0: Yeah. And I don't even mean particularly just commercially. I mean, you know, if a if, if fan Really loved low. He didn't make low two when they might have been expecting. Yeah, it. So, and it was that thing of the comfort zone where you think you know where Bowie's going next, and of course you never did. And no. more often than not, ninety-nine percent of the time it was just brilliant. But on this occasion, he's thinking, "Oh, they like that. Oh, better do that again. I haven't got any
1: songs for it, but I'll still do it." I think the the other factor possibly it might have just been he was still newly signed to RCA. I he'd signed a huge multi-million dollar sorry to EMI and he signed a huge multi-million dollar deal with them and he delivered Let's Dance, which is more than they could possibly have hoped. And I think part of that, after the experience with RCA and Mainman and all the rest of it, was to kind of satisfy his new paymasters. I think he was a little bit conscious of that. Yeah, he was making a lot of money for the first
0: time and, yeah. and, and that was a big part of it, of course, but not a great way to have an album kind of uh, driven, if no, you, driven, for want of a better phrase. I yeah. uh, Like Let's Dance, but unlike most previous Bowie albums, Bowie played no instrument on the record and in fact he delegated almost all responsibility
1: for the music played to his musicians, only occasionally offering critical input. So, Bowie brought in Derek Bramble and Hugh Padgham to produce the record. The former receiving the nod from Bowie due to some of the demos he'd recently produced for the English female singer Jackie Graham. As with Let's Dance, Bowie prepared for the album by recording some demos beforehand, this time showing up with eight of the nine songs that would appear on the album this surprise collaborator Carlos Alomar who's also the band leader on that record who said it was the first time in the 11 years I've been with the damn man that he brought in anything right okay <laughs> this is funny as well mm. if you think about how anodyne the album is Ugh. and
0: the next component part Iggy Pop spent a good deal of time in the studio with Bowie and the band while the album was being recorded stating I worked extensively on that album there's a lot more work on there than is reflected in just a simple co-writing credit for two songs and some of the old stuff and so uh, Iggy Pop I know not particularly at this point in time uh, but he'd had been he'd made some of the most reckless records in the world ever Yeah, and you know his whole personality was one based on danger and living on the edge mm. and here he is helping Bowie steer his way through his most sterile album yeah bizarre
1: um, yeah it is a weird one this and uh, I'll talk to uh, Hugh Padgham about this which we'll get to in a bit uh, when asked why Bowie included so much pop written material on the album Iggy could only guess I think he just wanted the songs heard more a sentiment Bowie would mirror when covering pop's bang Bang on his next album, Never Let Me Down. Uh, some of the demo tracks weren't yet named, but they were numbered, called simply 1, 2 and 3. And so again, I mean... He'd not written much material, Bowie. That's why he's the yeah. cover version. You can put, you
0: can, you can gloss it up and dress it in any way that you like, but he'd not really done the work on it.
1: No, he hadn't. And
0: so, yeah, okay. One would turn into the irreligious album track, Loving the Alien. See, I love that tune. It's a great tune, that. Yeah, I no think doubt. it's brilliant. Bowie described Loving the Alien as a very personal bit of writing that he didn't feel would fit in with the rest of the album, because it is such a dark song, a mist-light affair. He said, Alien came about because of my feeling that so much history is wrong and is being rediscovered or all the time and that we base so much on the wrong knowledge that we've gleaned but we cut the demo of the song in Montreux, Switzerland, with a guitarist and a drummer he drafted in from
1: a local Swiss band. D- demo songs two and three were not finished for the album, much to Hugh Padgham's regret. He said, they're really just jams. David had some riffs on a tape in his head and the band would jam on them. We'd make a bit of a song out of it. But they're really quite raunchy songs. At one point, David asked me what my least favourite song out of the 11 or 12 that he had was. And I said, Blue Jean. <laughs> it's a strange one, isn't it? Uh, I thought it was a bit lightweight. I would rather have had two in its place. I couldn't tell you why he didn't put them on. The album, but I would have loved to have finished them. Okay, three songs were covered of older Iggy
0: Pop songs Don't Look Down, Tonight, and Neighbourhood Threat. The latter of which stands out as a track Bowie wished he'd not done, with him later calling it disastrous. That's the one I wished I'd never touched, or at least touched it differently. It went totally wrong. It sounded so tight and compromised, and it was such a gas doing it. It was the wrong band to do it with. Wonderful band, but he wasn't
1: quite right for that song. Mm. Tumble and Twirl, co-written with Iggy, recounts the pair's exploits while vacationing in the Indonesian islands Bali and Java after Bowie's previous tour had ended. Don't Look Down, which was one of Bowie's returns to a reggae-style track, uh, like Yasa <laughs> of uh, Lodger perplexed Bowie. I tried it every which way, he said. I tried it jazz rock, I tried it as a march, and then it just hit on an old scar sounding beat and it picked up life. Taking energy away from the musical side reinforced the lyrics and gave them their own energy. I think working with Derek Bramble helped because he uh, played some proper reggae bass lines. Oh, <laughs> that's mate. not a convincing statement. I mean, do you know? I mean, I, I absolutely love scar.
0: Uh, reggae oh, yeah. reggae just doesn't really, I, I always find reggae a bit too relaxed for me and it just doesn't really do it for me uh but and and the phrase codraging is like one of the biggest insults in the world, isn't it? Probably the biggest on a musical level, isn't it? Possibly, So, so for tonight, the title track and the other reggae-style track on the album, Bowie eliminated Pop's original spoken word introduction, calling it an idiosyncratic thing of Pop's that seemed not part of my vocabulary. I guess removing the spoken introduction changed the whole sentiment around. It still has that same barren feeling, but it's out of that specific area that I'm not at home in. Pop approved of Bowie's changes. For the vocals to the song, Bowie and Tina Turner sang face to face although Bowie went back and re-recorded the first verse after deciding decided to sing his part in a higher octave and so he was doing a bit with uh, Tina Turner
1: wasn't he <laughs> I asked Hugh Padgham that and uh, we'll find his answer in a minute ok great <laughs> Where were you going to go with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's one of those stories. Well, I'd isn't it? heard that. Yeah. I'd heard that. I think okay. from you, actually. Anyway. <laughs> so Dancing with the Big Boys, which Bowie also co wrote with Pop, was written and recorded in eight hours as they egged each other on. In what was described as an exhilarating rush, Bowie and Pop went into the studio with a few bottles of beer and virtually bellow out anything that came into their heads, said Padgem. And I just recorded it all. The song is about the little guy being crushed by oppressive corporate structures. The lyrics were taken from a backlog of unused lyrics.
0: The line, the dot marks your location, was a reference to a lengthy, irritating stay, that's a quote, at a New York hotel. Bowie had been looking at the hotel room's fire escape map. And your family is a football team was a reference to the immigrant families working in New York. The whole family
1: has to work together for survival. So this is a quote from Bowie. Yeah, he says, There's a particular sound I'm after that I haven't really got yet. I'll either crack it on the next album or retire from it. I think I got quite close to it on Dancing with the Big Boy. I got very musical over the last couple of years, trying to write musically and develop things the way people used to write in the 50s. I stayed away from experimentation. Never a good thing in Bowie's life. Now, I think I should be a bit more adventurous. And in Big Boys, Iggy and I broke away from all that for one track, and it came nearer to the sound I was looking for than anything else. Yeah, I have to say as well, thinking about it, that um, the most money that Iggy Pop would have
0: made in his life up to that point would have been, well, I mean, Raw Power was a big-selling album for him yeah. with Bowie's yeah. you know, uh, patronage. But then, of course, uh, The Idiot and Lust for Life, they will have made uh, Iggy some money, and then the version of China Girl will have really raked it in for him. Absolutely. And you could see Iggy probably was, in all honesty, thinking this
1: is going to be a, a good return for me. This this is going to be, a, you know, a financially sound movement. Well, there's definitely a backstory to this album. You know, the idea of Bowie, uh, you know, being the benefactor and trying to help his mate along, because he did. Because obviously, not long after this, Iggy gets a new deal. He didn't have a deal at this point, did he? I don't right. think in the mid '80s. And then he has the deal, and blah 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 comes out produced and by Bowie. Yeah, and it's a big big sound on it. It's very commercial, and it's a huge success. So behind all that. you can sort of see Bowie's reasoning oh yeah it's great I mean he did it for so many different
0: people yeah. didn't he we know that uh, three singles were released from the album Tonight Blue Jean and Loving the Alien Blue Jean in turn spawned several videos including an elaborate 20 minute long collaboration with Julian Temple which was described as more of a mini film than a video and represented Bowie's interest in making actual movies despite some positive reviews of the album other reviewers criticised it for lacking creativity Padgem who co-produced the album also said it was
1: less innovative than other Bowie albums. An article for Melody Maker dismissed tonight as rotten. All music critic Stephen Thomas Erlewine called it one of the weakest albums Bowie ever recorded and wrote that none of the material equals the songs on Let's Dance, although he made an exception for Blue Jean. The new Rolling Stone album guy described tonight as an expensive quickie padded with lame covers. <laughs> <What> a dismissal! <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Bowie would later distance himself
0: from the album, acknowledging that it was not one of his stronger efforts. In 1989, when working with Tim Machine, he mused, there's stuff on that album that I could really kick myself about. When I listened to those demos... It how did it turn out like that? You should hear the Loving the Alien on Demo. It's a wonderful
1: Demo, I promise you. Then he laughs. But on the album, it's not as wonderful. No. <laughs> Despite the general consensus on the album, Stylus magazine reviewed it in 2005 as part of its On Second Thought section and concluded that tonight, although not a great album, is still a good one. It's a much better album than you think it is, they said, or may have been led to believe. Bowie's made some subpar records, but this isn't one of them. Mm. And frankly, even its failures aren't boring mm. because, well, it's an '80s Bowie album from a decade in which he was wildly inconsistent, but also never dull. Well, I, mean, I think that, you know history has, has proven that it is David Bowie's worst album. I actually. think so. Everybody kind of slates "Never Let Me Down," but at least he was engaged and trying to play instruments and trying to do something different. But tonight is a it is a stinker. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. In 2016, Yo Zushi of The New Statesman also defended
0: the album, writing No album that begins with a seven-minute masterpiece, Loving the Alien, fair point, and containing the rocking blue gene fair point, should have received the drubbing it got. He also argued the TV special-style cover of the Beach Boys' God Only Knows is as stirring in its cold, almost Brechtian way as station-to-stations, wild as a wind. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's like watching Elvis in Las Vegas through a sheet of ice. No, it's not. No, it's
1: not. That is just wrong. Yeah. Music is subjective, but that is just wrong. Yeah, he's wrong. What is he, Bob? He is wrong. Tracklisting, loving the alien. Don't look down. God Only Knows. Why he did it. Tonight with Tina Turner. Neighbourhood Threat. Tumble and Twirl. I Keep Forgetting. And Dancing with the Big Boys with Iggy.
0: I mean, we, you know, when we do these albums, go through the albums one by one, we can kind of go off piece quite a lot yes. because we've got a, an opinion on them. I haven't got much of an opinion on this, apart from the fact... And, and it is only based on a couple of listens because I listened to it and didn't go back oh. to it for a long, long time. And then listened to it again, I thought, yeah, I was right first time. So, you know, there, there will be people out there going, boo! Mark and Rob, boo. I love this record. And there will be people out there oh, yes. who do think that it's a, a, a worthy part of his catalogue. But mm. we personally don't. And Bowie, by the look of it, didn't either. And so, oh. you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I remember buying it at the time and thinking, especially after Let's Dance, which was so punchy and up, you know, and thinking, oh, what a disappointment. My heart sank. It's awful.
0: Yeah, so let's look at the Jazzing for Blue Jean video. Jazzing for Blue Jean is a 20-minute short film featuring Davey Bowie and directed by Julian Temple. It was created
1: to promote Bowie's single, Blue Jean, in 1984 and released as a video single. Remember them? Oh, yeah. The film won the 1985 Grammy Award for Best Video, short form, later renamed Best Music Video, which proved to be Bowie's only competitive Grammy Award during his lifetime. Wow. The film depicts the adventures of the socially incompetent Vic, played by Bowie, as he tries to win the affections of a beautiful girl by claiming to personally know her favourite rock star, Screaming Lord Byron, also played, of course, by Bowie. And a nod to Screaming Lord Such. Yeah, of
0: course. Uh, Rightfully disbelieving him, she challenges Vic to introduce her to him. They make a date for a Screaming Lord Byron show, where Vic attempts to sneak backstage to convince Mr Screaming to come and say hello to him and the girl after the show. Screaming does come to Vic's table after the show and says hello to him and the girl, but the girl and Screaming Lord Byron have already met. In Peru, obviously. And she leaves with the rock star instead of Vic. As they drive off, Bowie breaks the fourth wall and asks the director why the story changed from his Concept. it's a great video actually isn't Some it playful yeah yeah and it is funny isn't it because we know the uh the cast here screaming lord byron vic david bowie uh louise scott plays the dream screaming's band paul ridgely yeah richard fairbrass and daryl Humphrey. so richard fairbrass of right said fred yeah and it was one of them when people said oh that's him out right said fred in bowie's video going no and then you look at it and of course it is he's got hair in
1: it though yeah, think, yeah it? he is uh, and of course bowie's standing was a guy called ian ellis right okay all right then i think we're done aren't we i think we're done certainly
0: the A to Z of David Bowie, with Mark Riley
1: and Rob Hughes. So that's what we think of tonight, isn't
0: it, Bob? And uh, we've laid our cards on the table. But you you did interview Hugh Padgham uh, in the August of 2018. And uh, so the first question that you asked, I believe he suggested to Bowie
1: using in Heights in Canada for the recording of tonight. And he said, I'm not sure, but it was probably me because I'd been there a year or 18 months before with the police. I feel slightly guilty if it was me because towards the end of the record, Bowie was getting really bored of being in the middle of nowhere. On the other hand, he liked to record fairly quickly. And if anything, this record was probably quite slow compared to what he was used to. As Bowie was saying, five weeks is is a long time in a Bowie uh, calendar. I then said to me, You went into the studio to make tonight only a few months after the end of the serious Moonlight tour, which had gone on for a long, long time. Did you get the impression that the record company were trying to rush Bowie into the studio for a follow up to Let's Dance? His answer: Yes, I think so. But the thing is, I wasn't really
0: involved in the whole why and wherefore of it all. I was originally contracted by my friend Bob Clearmountain. who was the engineer on Let's Dance. It was originally asked by David to do it, but he couldn't. No one's going to turn down working with Bowie. I would have probably taken the gig if I'd been asked to be the T-boy. It was only later on, after Derek Bramble had gone, that I thought, Oh my God, this is what I've been.
1: <laughs> this is what I've been left with. Well, the thing is, so Bowie brings in Derek Bramble initially, didn't he? And yeah. it just didn't work out. They didn't get on. We should probably find out some reasons in a minute. What is Derek Bramble's uh, history? I don't really know. He's, he's, uh... Well, he, he'd produced... He was just a, a new guy on the block. You know, he'd produced Jackie Graham. I think he might have been involved in uh, in Heatwave at one point. So he was coming from that sort of British soul and R&B end. Right. And he didn't have a lot of experience. But Bowie, I think it's, you know, that thing that Bowie had about working with, like, you know, up-and-coming producers, you know, edgy people, and he thought this was one of them, uh, and it didn't turn out to be the case. So Hugh Padgham, apart from being the engineer to begin with, ended up being promoted to producer, just to to finish it off. Right, with you. All right. so uh, he says here, when I rocked up at the gig, nobody actually said, there's only two songs on the album that David's written on his own, Loving the Alien and Blue Jean. All the others were from Iggy's album, plus the Beach Boys cover and the Libra and Stoller cover. I think Dancing with the Big Boys was pretty well written in the studio, I think. Then the others were from iggy's album lust for life so it's definitely a case of i'll scratch your back if you scratch mine kind of vibe going on uh, and then i said to him i believe that iggy and bowie had more songs together it's what we were talking about before wasn't it had more songs together and in your opinion they were better than the ones that finally made it onto the album well uh these two spare
0: songs never got finished and he says that Nigel Reeve has since found the tape, so we uh, Nigel's a mate of ours, yeah. and uh, he, he's got the keys to the Bowie cupboard. Yes. Hello, Nigel, you're great. Uh, what I do remember is that they were rock-orientated, and I thought that they might really sort of be a balance for the album. When I got asked to finish the album off and co-produce, I think at that point, David was like, I just want to get this bloody thing done. I'm stuck out here in the middle of nowhere, and I've spent too long doing it, as far as I'm concerned, and I
1: just want to get on and enjoy being a pop star for once. Fair enough, David. Uh, He went on to say, I got on like a house on fire with David. He was an absolute gentleman to me. We met up a few years later when I did something with him on Tin Machine. Obviously, we all know stories of his ruthlessness and the way he treated musicians and stuff. But as far as I'm concerned, he was always a total gentleman with me and a consummate professional in terms of the fact I don't think I've ever worked with a better singer. Uh, He continued, Going back to the album, I wasn't
0: crazy about the faux reggae vibe on Tonight. I love Tina Turner, but the whole vibe she was in at the time was quite poppy. And I thought Blue Jean was a bit lightweight as well. I never thought that the album would eventually be called Tonight, which to me was one of the least cool Bowie songs. So I was keen to do two extra tracks, which felt more like a balancing out. Do you know, I mean, Tonight is a great song. Yeah. But, but not here. <laughs> but not here. Yeah, okay. So he's wrong about the song, but right about the version. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so your question, this thing about enjoying being a pop star, did you get the impression that it was something he craved all along? I think he was although maybe not so much commercially said Hugh we used to chat sometimes and when uh, Coco Schwab was around our Bowie's PA and I think he was enjoying having all the attention of being a pop star and being straight because he went through a pretty druggy period in the late 70s when he said he couldn't really remember much of it at all so I think maybe the fact he was straighter he was certainly enjoying that and this was a few years before he met Iman and I did ask him, now he used to answer your question before, Mark, were Bowie and Tina Turner an item at the time? I didn't say, were well, they doing it? I just Doing I'm, a bit. I'm, yeah.
0: <laughs> an item. <laughs> well, you're obviously not got my journalist <laughs> story bent, mate. mate. Uh, I don't think so, he said, because I remember that David had a girlfriend who used to come up occasionally from New York. <laughs> And this girl would only come over with a friend, so David's got me to try and entertain this girl's friend. And I was about to get married, so I'd say, no, I can't. A friend did come up, but we platonically entertained oh, her. that was so delicate. <laughs> that sounds like a, a right old disclaimer to me. And I am sure absolutely truthful. Right, okay. So, and then you asked. the story goes that Derek Bramble didn't work out because he was trying to get Bowie to do quite a few vocal takes of everything,
1: whereas Bowie, by nature, always did one or two takes and then moved on. Yeah, said Hugh, that was definitely part of the free- I think. In a way, I think everybody there was really experienced, either in the studio or in terms of making records, and Derek was maybe a little out of his depth perhaps wanted to prove he was meant to be the boss, and it didn't really work. My thing with David and the singing is that he nails it on the first or second
0: go, without a doubt, every time. He was pitch perfect and everything. He was absolutely the best singer I've ever worked with. Not to knock other people, but he was so fast and professional. So I think when he was asked to sing another take, in my head he's going, why? I'm thinking the same thing, and David and I exchanged glances once or twice, and those glances then turned into a conversation.
1: Ah, so as part of this piece, it was for uh, Uncut Magazine, With the to coincide with the release of the big box set Loving the Alien, I was uh, chatting to Carlos Alomar about the same thing well, about the whole sort of 80s career. But we got onto tonight, inevitably. And I'd, uh, I did say to him, Did you think David had a clear idea of the record he wanted to make with tonight? So, this is probably this is, his answer kind of alludes to what I was saying before about you know, um, just not being prepared. You know, the record company may be putting a bit of pressure on, right? And Carlos said, No, no, not at all. So, we were on this serious moonlight tour and we get called by the record company who say, The record's doing great, sales are amazing, we need another album right away. I mean, come on, why would you bother one of your main artists on who you'd invested all this money just so we can come off the road and slap something together for your people? This is what really bummed David out. He hated that. And with all due respect to David, continued Carlos Alomar, this is common practice. Record companies do it
0: all the time and yet you would think, with the kind of support you wanted, you weren't getting it. So this issue of support was constantly on his mind. Here you are, supporting me on this amazing tour, but now you want me to go and do something completely crazy, which is do an album. For me, tonight was okay, uh,
1: in a so-so voice. Uh, When we get to the studio, we start throwing things together and seeing what it is we can do. Uh, He continued, in this particular case, the biggest thing for him was the fact that he had Tina Turner coming in to do this. Now, this is really important. As iconic as David is, he wanted this to be an amazing experience for her. I'm a Buddhist and she's a Buddhist. We belong to the same organisation. So he's like, Carlos and Robin, you've got to join us for dinner. We talked about Zen Buddhism and Tao and Shakyamuni Buddha. Okay, so he says, I could feel his personal discomfort at being in a room with someone
0: as iconic as Tina Turner. As a kid, he idolised this woman, so he can well understand that he wanted all things covered. Let there be no stone unturned to make this woman feel at home. And we had a
1: wonderful time. Then you asked him... Yeah, what about the idea to do the Beach Boys cover? <laughs> I had to ask him that. Of course you did. Always wondered why. He says, uh, I don't know why we did, God only knows. We tried our best with everything, but it's a cover, and I don't mess with arrangements of covers. It was like Across the Universe on Young Americans when it came to do that and other songs he gave me. Although he did let me do a crazy arrangement for Alabama Song, which is the old uh, Kurt Vile tune, of course, wasn't it? Uh, Carlos Alomar was trying to make the best of a, a, a Bad Batch. Uh, he was talking up tonight in a way that i don't think he had done before and i'm guessing that was just probably because the box set was coming out and it was you know he just wanted to do his best for that
0: you you would not be wheeled out to promote a new album a, a, a new version of an album which is obviously going to be a money spinner by saying it's crap no the a to z of david bowie with mark riley and rob hughes
1: T is for Toy the Album. Now, Toy is an unreleased album by David Bowie, recorded for release in 2001 and leaked onto the internet in 2011. It wasn't me, Bob, before you say anything. Are you sure? Okay, cards on the table. I did have a copy of Toy for a long time,
0: and... uh, I really liked it, actually. I thought it was, I thought it was it wasn't a great great record, but uh, you know, um, for Bowie, just like dipping his toes back in and everything, and some really un- interesting stuff there. And obviously, some of it did tip up on Heathen as well. Mm. And then all the bits and bats came out uh, at various points. But I did like it, and right. I, was, I, you know, and, and but it was it was a really weird thing having it and thinking hey, I've got this David Bowie album that I can't tell anybody about, and mm. nobody knows I've got. And it was just one of those things, you
1: know. Okay, I, I I don't know it. I'll be honest. obviously I know the songs because uh, yeah, we we'll, we'll get the to ones the- that surfaced yeah. yeah of course but you know although Bowie had begun recording the album intending to feature new versions of some of his earliest pieces as well as three new tunes its sessions led him to Heathen in 2002 and it was never released officially originally Bowie had recorded the album Toy for release in 2001 or 2002 it was meant to feature some new songs and
0: remakes of some of his lesser known songs from the 60s Toy remains officially unreleased in 2001 on his own website Bowie participated on a virtual chat with fans, and when one of them
1: asked about the release of Toy, he replied... I'm finding EMI Virgin seem to have a lot of scheduling conflicts this year, which has put an awful lot on the back burner. Toy is finished and ready to go, and I'll make an announcement as soon as I get a very real date. In the meantime, I've already started writing and recording for another album, uh, untitled at the moment. So far, I have to say it's back to experimental. But knowing me, it doesn't mean that's how it'll turn out. I shall be writing and recording throughout the summer, but dadifying it is really my priority at the moment gratifying Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know, just looking after it. Right, okay, fair yeah. enough. Uh, so uh, let's look at the alternative versions. Uh, Liza Jane, Bowie's debut single, released under the name of Davy Jones and the King Bees. You've Got Habit of Leaving was the third single, credited to Davy Jones, but recorded with his then-band Lower Third. The original version of Silly Boy Blue appeared on Bowie's eponymous debut album, and
0: several other versions of these songs were released during Bowie's early career, including I Dig Everything, Baby Loves That Way, as collected on early on, and then uh, In The Heat of the Morning and the London Boys
1: has collected on the DRAM anthology. A version of Conversation Piece was recorded and released in 1970. Uncle Floyd, retitled Slip Away and Afraid, were later released on Heathen. Baby Loves That Way, Shadow Man and you Got a Habit of Leaving were released as B-sides to Heathen singles. And Conversation Piece was included on the limited edition bonus disc of Heathen in 2002. The bonus tracks on the limited edition Heathen disc are Sunday, Moby Remix, A Better Future, Remix by Air, Conversation Piece and and Panic in Detroit, which is an outtake from uh, 1979.
0: Yeah, the songs Let Me Sleep Beside You, Your Turn to Drive, and Shadow Man are included on the three-CD deluxe edition of Bowie's 2014 compilation album, Nothing Has Changed, which also includes the original versions of In the Heat of the Morning, Silly Boy Blue, and you Got a Habit of Leaving, and Liza Jane. Okay, so I don't think we really need to go through the track list and all that, do we, stuff? No, I think we've covered that, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, um, but, um, yeah, the the musicians, the personnel on it, so you've
1: got Davey Bowie, vocals, keyboards, stylophone, mandolin, Earl Slick on guitar, Gail and Dorsey, bass, Mark Plattie, bass, guitars, Sterling Campbell, drums, Lisa Germano on violin, Holly Palmer, backing vocals, M. Greiner, backing vocals, Jerry Leonard, guitars,
0: Mike Garson on piano, and Tony Visconti, string arrangements. Lisa Germano, she was a um, 4AD recording artist. She was- was yes, yeah, was it called puppet and uh, the, the single, perhaps, oh. and she came and did a session for Mark Radcliffe and I wow. and I'll tell you something a bit later on nothing nothing or anything. really but yeah, yeah oh, I, okay. yeah, but um, anyway, and so yeah, I mean yeah it was one of those it was yeah. very apparent as time was going on that it wasn't going to come out, yeah, and there was somebody at the record company who just didn't think it was up to the job, which oh. is kind of a, a funny if you think about the uh, it's good really, mm. because if you look back only a couple of minutes to when we were doing tonight, yes. it was a complete op- of it. So the record company wanted him to put something out, regardless of what it was. Whereas mm. there was some actual uh, qu- uh, quality control, yes. for better or worse, uh, taking part with toy. And so then it was—it was a legendary lost album until somebody got it. I think it might have been somebody in Australia okay. who ended up leaking it. And it, and do you know what? I mean, these things are almost impossible uh, to keep a lid on, aren't they? If yeah. somebody's got it somewhere out there, it will normally leak out. It's a little bit like the 1980 Floor Show. Yes, you know the video of it. Eventually, there's somebody out there who's got it and there was even the, for the 1980 floor show just to give an example mm. there was even one version of the dvd which came out obviously a bootleg because bowie never wanted it out uh, but with lots of different camera angles and time codes mm. on it and so if somebody's got it somewhere it will eventually end up in my drawer
1: of course i'm gonna say <laughs> is it is your t- copy of toy in this room it was only, I mean, it was a digital, so... It, oh, he Did not have a physical. It, it, yeah. never,
0: it never existed. it was never pressed up or anything, right. it, as far as I'm aware. I made my own little cover for it. Right. Um, you know, and it was a good cover, actually. I mean, David could have had it if it had got that far, right. well, but, but it
1: didn't. If only he'd known...
0: So that's it for this episode of the A to Z
1: of David Bowie. But once again, before you go... If you'd like to support us along the way and be a member of an exclusive Bowie club, you can. And here's how. There's an exclusive Bowie members club called Cheap Things. And for just $5 a month, wow, you can be part of it. Right, so now you're thinking, $5 isn't much, but what exactly will I get for my hard-earned cash? Well, in short, you'll get lots of great new exclusive material delivered to your door. Well, computer, actually, Mark. Via a system called Patreon. That's right. Right, Mark. Patreon is a payment system that allows you to contribute your monthly subscription and offers you a portal to access the exclusive material. Materials such as... Interviews with Bowie's cohorts and friends. There'll be regular film Bowie quizzes. Bowie guitar tutorials. Unreleased archive written material. Competitions.
0: And perhaps most impressively, short films featuring the Cheap Things team. Ah, that'll be
1: me, Mark, Howard Knock and Jason Reed Visiting various Bowie places of interest. And much more besides. All this for just $5 a month. So if you can't resist, simply go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash cheap things, or one word, and join up. There's also a website, bowiecheapthings.com. Book early.